Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about purchase apps, rates, inventory, and what we should expect for the second half of this year. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Christina Bennett, Senior Vice President of UWM Sales, about a career in the wholesale channel. Christina, becoming a broker can seem daunting. What advice do you have for those looking to join the channel? Honestly, Sarah, becoming an independent mortgage broker is very easy. There's a lot of resources out there to be able to help people, whether looking to join an independent mortgage broker or become an independent mortgage broker. They can go to beamortgagebroker.com. We have step-by-step plans of how to become an independent mortgage broker. Or like I said, even if you're just looking to join an independent mortgage broker, it's very easy, it's very fast and efficient. And like we all know, it's best for consumers. Thanks, Christina. And listeners, you can go to beamortgagebroker.com to get more information. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. And if I look weird to you, it was a shaving accident yesterday. <laughs> Not weird, but definitely different. Younger even. Now you could really, um, you know, tease me about being a baby boomer because you look like nah, this is this is not the yeah this is not the look i want i'm old man logan for a reason i i, I accept the fact that i'm going to be 50 soon so uh I'm shaving and culling my hair that's not what not not for me okay well um also i am back in an, a, a different locale in a hotel room so last time we did this i uh i jumped up and left halfway through the um podcast, which, you know, are the people who watch us on YouTube got to see. So that's kind of funny. Hopefully that won't happen this time. I have said, please don't come to do house cleaning while I'm here. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's always a, uh, a fun time doing this. We have a lot to talk about. So let's start with purchase apps. Purchase application, really key for tracking forward looking housing demand. And, you know, rates have picked up uh, noticeably over the last uh, four to five weeks. Um, and also the mortgage back security, the spreads are, are just terrible. So what I've seen in the data, which is, which is really interesting to me is that we've just printed four straight weeks of negative weekly data. We have not been able to do that this year, uh, earlier in the year when mortgage rates went from 5.99% to 7.10%, we had three really aggressive a weekly decline data down 6%, down 18%, down 6%. So cumulative is about like negative 10% during that trend. Here, it's a little bit different. Um, the week-to-week declines are very tame, but they're still declining. So, you know, w- when I saw that big existing home sales print earlier in the year, which is extremely abnormal, I thought, okay, that's Unless purchase application data starts growing every single week, that's going to be the high for the year. So we should play the edges. And when I talk about edges is 4.6 million existing home sales. Look look at that to be the peak. 4 million always on the bottom. If you can break over 4.6 million, you, you, you got something there. If you break under, uh, you got something there as well. So right now we're just kind of in between. And year to date, 11 negative prints and 10 positive prints. So we're now into the negative side. I do some holiday adjustments with how I track this. 
And the higher rates are just sticking higher. And then last week when mortgage rates fell, it didn't create a positive uh, uh, weekly demand print. We've always been able to at least go positive again after the fall of the rates. Now, a 2% weekly decline isn't big, but still it's noticeable. Of course, there was a holiday week, but it's a little bit different now than let's say, what we had to even deal with last year as well. So do you think that it didn't go down with the rates just because it didn't go down for long enough? Like there wasn't enough duration? We are we are in the upper end of the mortgage rate range and the seasonality of the data line has ended really after May. That's kind of how I always look at purchase apps the first two weeks of after the first two weeks of January to the first week of May, usually after May volumes fall. So for me, it's you lose that upfront spring summer volume buyer that traditionally we see every year. So you're dealing with a different kind of a uh, uh, home buyer in the purchase application side. Now, of course, a hypothetical, let's say mortgage rates drop 1%. Let's say we are at 6% or even go lower. Then you could see some volume pickup just because we're working from uh, a very low low bar, and it's really interesting. I think I thought Mike Simonson asked a, a good question: Why is six to seven percent rates? Why why isn't the market crashing like it did last year? Uh, what's the difference? And I th- and I think this this goes into a longer th- uh, theme of my work. If you track housing data this century, you know that. It's just really rare to get below 4 million. And the reason I always harp on that 4 million number is that you what happened last year is we literally wiped out the entire marginal home buyer within a year. Um, and the buyers that we're dealing with now are kind of the upper upper end home buyer profile. So this century, we really haven't been able to crack underneath 4 million outside of the a few months in 2008. And a lot of that had to do with uh, a credit contraction in the fastest fashion ever. And even back then, uh, it, it wasn't for long. So we're just at a we're just at a key level with demand that even with six to seven percent rates, there's a certain group of home buyers every single year, dual household incomes, people that are selling their homes with their low mortgage rate and taking their equity and buying something else. That keeps the demand at bay. And we have a lot more workers now than we did um, during the bottom of the COVID-19 bottom when we got to 4 million then, of course, uh, compared to the 2008 bottom that we saw. So different type of home buyer that we're dealing with is just that the volume growth isn't there. It hasn't really been there. It's just we've stabilized. And I think this is frustrating people because there's no real direction, right? Last year was very clear, waterfall dive and all housing data. And now it's just stop. And now it's the grueling, grinding, week-to-week, day-to-day analytical work that nobody wants to do but me because this is the kind of market that I actually love because, you know, when there's no sense of direction, you got to try to pick an inflection point. And as right now, higher rates, slowing demand, um, and we we have so far not been able to get a positive week-to-week prints with rates uh, at these levels. So it, you know, you might be enjoying this market. Nobody in our industry is. I mean, it's such it's such a grind because you know where are those buyers coming from? How do we get more volume? Let's talk about rates because you touched on it. Um, where do we think we're headed? What do you think the the near term looks like? 
well, bond markets, bond yields are up today. Um, you know, the uh, Bank of Australia, the Bank of uh, Canada raised rates. You know, they were kind of in a pause mode. But we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, debt auctions coming up soon. Uh, the the entire uh, debt ceiling issue has kind of messed up some of the uh, auctions in a very short amount of time. We need to we need to raise a lot of money. Uh, the the Treasury just kind of issued right before we went on this podcast. They're they're going to try to manage this as as best as they can, uh, so the bond market doesn't get a little bit too crazy. So short term, right now we have a very noticeable move this morning, uh, which means rates could you know get back. Uh, close to seven percent again, and then again, this is this is the reality of the world that we are dealing with. Um, I understand some people thought that the ten-year yield should be much lower because of the growth rate inflation. My case has always been the labor market this year. The Gandalf line is held eight times in a row, and we are just kind of in the upper end of the ten-year yield channel. Not not to the very peak, but the, to me, the biggest story is that how stress the mortgage market is, especially after the banking crisis. That to me is the real big story on the mortgage side that we were kind of getting better, kind of getting better. And then it just, uh, as credit gets tighter and tighter, it's acting like the US is in a recession where it's really stressed. Like in 2008, the spreads got wide. COVID-19, the spreads got wide here. It's just, it's a new dynamic because Mortgage spreads are getting worse and worse during an expanding uh, economy, and we haven't seen that uh, in recent history. It's so crazy. So in the housing market tracker, which you do every week, you look at purchase apps, you look at mortgage rates, you look at inventory. And one of the things, and then you look at like the variables or what we should look like. And one of the things that you bring up every week since it started was the banking crisis because of the effects that that's had. And then this week, you also talked about the oil production and OPEC OPEC, uh, bringing back production. Did we end up seeing that have a big effect at all? Saudi Arabia and Russia really need oil above 83, but kind of their production cuts that they announced didn't really have the impact on the market. Now, uh, there's a tug of war between people saying, well, the oil market is telling you a recession is coming. So demand will be less. And then in, in that light, uh, uh, the production cuts wouldn't have, or the announcements wouldn't have the same kind of effect. And it didn't, right? This is the second production cut announcements that we've seen. The first one brought oil prices above $80. Now there's nothing. It's pretty much kind of uh, near the lower end range. So on, on the inflation front, that's good because headline uh, energy inflation runs uh, so much with energy. But um you know, it, it's the growth rate of inflation is falling, and it's there's. I, I still don't see anyone uh, putting their uh, neck out saying we're going to reaccelerate higher just because the arithmetic is not with you anymore. If anybody who tracks inflation data, they they, they would know what I'm talking about. This since shelter is going to start coming down over the next 12 months, it's really hard to reaccelerate higher like we saw in the 70s. Uh, again, you can't have 1970s inflation without rent inflation taking off, and that. Pretty much means a booming housing market. Um, here, you know, the growth rate of inflation falls, but the ten-year yield still in its range. And again, the, the whole premise for 2023 was that the labor market had to break for the ten-year yield to break. And we've—it's not like we didn't test it. I mean, we literally tested the Gandalf line eight times, and uh, the only time we were able to breach it was the peak of the chaos during the Silicon Valley banking crisis, where you had to do emergency lending and all that stuff. And we were only able to hold it for a day or two. So, so again, 
to me, the 10-year yield looks about right. The mortgage rates are higher than they should be just because the spreads got worse. So that's the new variable we have to deal with. And lending is getting tighter and tighter. Uh, uh, and like I've always said, the Federal Reserve doesn't care. <laughs> so uh, uh, they have one goal and one goal only, attack the labor market, attack wages. Uh, if you're talking 1970s inflation, that's what you have to do. You have to you have to create a job loss recession to get more labor supply. And uh, again, they haven't been able to achieve that. So we are in this grueling back and forth stage with the bond market, mortgage rates, and economic data. So on that um, housing market tracker this week, over the weekend, you know, you look at Altos data, which is. Uh, I know just like, it's like you're a kid in a candy shop with this data because it's so real time and you can, you can dig in there. So active inventory uh, grew 3,000, you know, 3,180 last week. What is that? What does that say to you? Is that, were you surprised? Is that about right? So, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It's interesting this week. I think for the first time I've actually seen the housing bubble crash people kind of throw in the towel. Uh, and it's um, it, it's it's fascinating in the sense that inventory isn't rising as fast as they want. And this has always been kind of the case toward the end of last year going into this year. Uh, the growth rate is slowing because new listings data is slowing. So in this context, um, the active listings growth has been so slow that if it just continues its trend, it's going to have negative year-over-year prints uh, uh, soon just because the growth rate of active listings last year was was so much faster again working from all time low so we context is critical uh here this last week uh the growth rate decelerated uh noticeably too we went from like 8000 to to 3000 i chalk that up to again all weekly data gets impacted by holiday data so we're by holiday so we always have to put that that's the front and center number 1 but in theory with rates being higher and mortgage demand slowing down that means future future sales the growth rate of active listings should pick up a little bit more cuz it's been really slow this year uh so far we haven't seen anything of any kind of value and part of that is new listings data started to go negative in the second half of 2022 and it's still negative but i'm 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 hoping anticipating that we get a pickup uh in the next week and that that was just a holiday uh, uh, um, a one-off that we see in the data lines always, but uh, it's such it's such a slow market. And when you come from such a fast data line market like last year, where you saw the biggest collapse ever recorded in U.S. history in, in sales, the velocity of inventory was faster last year, even though it was, it was a lot of it's because you're working from a low bar. But here, this is just. The grueling stuck theory, right? We've talked about this for 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 many years now. The fear is that housing gets stuck. Just not not much is going on. You got those typical buyers, you got those typical sellers, but unless rates meaningful meaningly fall with duration, duration's always key with everything. Like I I was trying to explain to somebody how how did we get that really big existing home sales print uh, uh, earlier in the year? Well. Mortgage purchase application data started to get better November 9th, and it had about three months of really positive forward-looking data. So that three months kind of uh, filtered itself to one report, and we just had this huge, huge one-month print that's very abnormal. And then after that, not much is happening, right? 
Uh, if something was happening in a negative or data side, we would see it. We would have constant negative, negative, negative data. Like this last four weeks, we've had four straight weeks of negative data. It isn't big, but it's noticeable enough uh, uh, to give it one month uh, straight of weekly uh, declines. And that's going to hit the sales late, uh, data uh, later in the year. So uh, it's just frustrating for everyone. And, uh, and I understand my, my housing price crash friends are frustrated. My, you know, uh, people that want more volume uh, and demand are frustrated. But I always say that the, for the housing market to get kind of back to normal, uh, you really need home sales to be between 4.72 to 5.31 million for like over a year. Uh, you need to be trending up there. And we're nowhere close to even having that discussion. This is why I always found the Fed remarks to be really uh, amusing to me, at least. Uh, Governor Waller are one of our favorite Fed people. Now, people have to realize there's a story with Governor uh, with uh, Fed member Waller. He was so mad that when he went to D.C., he couldn't find a home to buy. He was so frustrated. So when housing was in a recession, they asked him, what do you think about the housing market? He said, the housing market's fine. No, it went into recession June twenty, uh, uh, June sixteenth, twenty twenty two. We're almost at the one year anniversary now. Actually, uh, then recently that little, 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 little tiny rebound in demand, and he's like, "Oh my God, housing's coming back!" Da, 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 da. Um, it's just disappointing to to think that people who have been in the financial markets for that long to have that kind of really amateur analysis. But this is where their mindset is. They are petrified of like people buying homes again. And this is why some of the statements they make might not make sense to normal people, but to, to somebody like me who tracks the Fed and what they think, you you could see the fear they have of people buying homes again in any kind of meaningful fashion. That is crazy. So we are in June. I am continually amazed by the passage of time. I can't believe it's already June. Um, and that means we're halfway through the year. So let's look at the second half of the year. Let's talk about your forecast. Like you said, we're almost to the one-year mark of when you marked, hey, this is housing going into recession. What is the second half of 2023 going to look at, look like for housing? So this was actually another good question. People are saying, well, last year we had month-to-month declines. like Because you know, pricing for housing is very seasonal. The you have pricing strengths in the first half of the year, and then you have the seasonal pricing declines. But last year was different. It was the first time that we've had actually month to month declines. And they were saying, "Can we have that similar uh, uh, housing market?" Well, I said, "Okay, so let's let's create a model here. What do we need to see? Number one, we need to see weaker weaker purchase application data. Right, like right now, we have four straight weeks of negative data. It needs to start picking up. There's no rule that says." Home sales can't go below four million. It's just that it's really rare for that to happen because we're dealing with a lot with a with a different type of buyer. So you need demand to start falling noticeably. Uh, number two is you need the growth rate of inventory to start picking up. I mean, we are last year we had noticeable year over year increases and the speed was was faster. Here, it's so slow that we're about to have negative year over year print. So that needs to change in the second half of housing. You need you need bigger demand destruction. You need inventory to grow faster because the number three factor is 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 the real big one. Last year at this time, um, we actually had some positive year over year new listings uh data. Uh that means that higher rates created 
positive new listings data, not lower rates. No, no, no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I cannot let that go in answer because I was one of the people listing my home last year at this time. And what happened is rates were going up so fast. People are like, I have to list my home now before rates get even higher and make it even worse. So the mortgage rate lockdown didn't exist with you. The one lady who is constantly defending the mortgage rate lockdown, you actually, your own actions actually refuted the argument that you're saying. I had to move for other reasons. So my actions were like, I've got to list my house now before rates go up. So So it's 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 a rate up lockdown or a rate up increase. Listen, more and more of our listeners and our audience agree with me. Let me just- Sarah Wheeler, I would take every human being on planet Earth on a live debate on this because I have literally looked at this for over 10 years. There is nothing in the data line that actually shows that active listings grow in any kind of fashion when rates go down. It's a post-2010 housing market. The variables have changed. And I'll I'll be honest with you. this This is the truth is everyone wants lower rates, right? Everyone wants lower rates because they want demand to pick up. So they keep on talking about a mortgage rate lockdown. It's a marketing thing, not- right? You, everyone, if you, if we want more inventory, we got to have low rates. Okay, you can get more listings because you have more demand, but it's not an active listings uh, growth theory. So I, I picked up on this many years ago that people kept on talking about this, and I was like, okay, it's just basically you you want more demand. It's there's nothing in the data that actually shows active listings grow with higher rates. So it's a I want higher demand. Give me my lower rates, you know. It is so, not a marketing uh, tactic with me. I have no dog in this fight except that I, I'm looking at it as a consumer and what other people are doing. Okay, that being said. Okay, in any case, in any going case, wait, wait, wait. to. So you've said these like these things have to happen, whatever, in uh, for for it to recover. But what is what is the likelihood? Like, do you think we're going to get more inventory? Do you, I mean what is? Well, you could you could only get it from the available inventory that's out there. And that's that's the that's the issue with new listings data. If when new listings data is trending at all time lows all year, you're not dealing with a higher distribution of uh, sellers coming into the marketplace. Why? Because affordability is hit. See, for, affordability is terrible this year because prices are still rising, and uh, mortgage rates are still high. So naturally, the demand gets hit right? Because people can't afford to move, right? So when mortgage rates come down, the affordability gets a better for some. Um, but in, in this case, new listings data trending at all time lows. And we have literally maybe four or five weeks left before new listings do, does its own seasonal decline. Uh, uh, and that means the net volume on itself declines. And we, we have to track to see if the year over year uh, declines start to shrink or they get even higher. What we don't want to see in the second half of 2023 is we don't want to see the year over year declines in new listings get worse, right? You have the seasonal declines that happen every year, but we need to keep that trend kind of intact uh, and not have it get worse and worse. So uh, again, uh, so far housing, when rates go down, uh, housing acted better. When rates go up, housing acts worse. Not it's, you don't need to understand rocket science for that one. It's that just a very simple a supply like the, rock, the mortgage rate lockdown. I don't it's know. not a mortgage. No, it's just a demand. See, <laughs> this is a very good, like if, if we were in front of everyone on planet earth, what I would simply say is I would take my total active listing chart. I would take the mortgage rates falling down every time and you see zero active inventory growth. It's never happened. 
Not one time. Why? Because when rates fall, demand picks up. When demand picks up, supply doesn't really increase. So I, I, we literally have like 13 years of data on this. What people are thinking about is from 2000 to 2005, when we have different credit channels, when sales were booming and active inventory was growing. Yes, but except this is not the 2000 to 2005 credit market anymore, right? So mortgage rates didn't matter as much back then because you had exotic loan debt structures and you you had no blockage of listing your house to buy another one because you knew you could get the loan. Now, after 13 years of data, you can see what happens is that when rates go down, demand picks up, total inventory level stays flat or lower, it never increases, right? And here we are this year, right? Lower rates early on slowed the inventory growth down didn't increase it. It's slowing it down. And if we go negative for, let's say, the second half of the year, it allows inventory to increase. So so I feel like we are saying the same thing. You're just calling it a different thing because I'm talking no, about- No, because, because the mortgage rate lockdown was a premise on active inventory growing. Like you have more homes on the market for sale. Listeners, it has I will get never- occurred one time in 13 years. We are going to get to the bottom of this, but not today. <laughs> so, um, so looking at the rest of the year, I mean, okay, put your, you have family in, in the mortgage business, put yourself in there in there. You were very recently in the mortgage business yourself till a couple of years ago. So, you know, if you're in the mortgage business, if you're in the real estate business and you're looking at the rest of the year, are there any bright spots? Is there anything that people can be like, okay, this could happen? Or do you just feel like really and truly the rest of the year is going to be rough? Well, I mean, again, sticking with the 10-year yield forecast, the range has stuck. Um, the spreads have gotten worse. Um, unless the unless you have like a Federal Reserve member start to comment on housing, I don't think anything different changes from that. But again, if the labor market gets weaker, um, the wage growth is slowing down. Notice, like we're 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 seeing this, but to get back below that level, to get the spreads better, to me, you're probably going to need to see some uh, movement on the labor side, and then I think people will get more and more comfortable about the Fed being done. But I I, I truly believe this. The f- there's a reason why the Fed doesn't talk about the spreads or more. You know, they they in their minds they believe home prices for some reason now pushes inflation. That's not the case. Rent does. Rent's already decelerating and we're seeing more supply. So I think that 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 debate's going to lose steam over the next uh, six months. But in this case, you know, to me, it's 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 the labor market, it's economic data. Uh, uh, and so far this year, the even though we see the leading economic index uh, going lower, we see weakness in some manufacturing data. We haven't had the shock. Let, let's say if oil prices shot up again for some reason, that can be a, such a hit to demand that you get lower um, consumption. The student loan debt repayment process, right? Whenever you whenever you add an additional payment to an economy, that's a net negative. That's not a benefit. It's not like uh, people are getting uh, uh, money from it. The government's getting money from it. They're not doing anything with that money. So that's a net negative. So those things could, in a sense, push the economy into a recession over time just because credit's getting tighter. You have the student loan uh, payment coming back. Uh, let's say it, another oil shock, stuff like that. But as of right now, things are just moving along, right? Uh, uh, the labor market is just in rebound mode. And 
um, people spend on certain things every single day and they're, they're, they're keep on doing that. Uh, and higher rates, short-term rates being this high, this fast, usually there's a lag impact on it, uh, 12 to 18 months. So uh, this is actually, we're starting to get into that 12 to 18 month time frame uh, in the second half of 2023 going into 2024. So uh, this is why we track the weekly data. We track claims, we track jolts, we track all the all the economic data, retail sales, manufacturing, everything to try to get clues. Because why? Mother economics, she's a serial killer. Oh, she wants to be caught. She'll leave you the best crumbs ever. We're just not to that next stage. And, and, and again, for me, for my work, my six recession red flag model went off on August 5th, 2022. But that doesn't mean like a recession is right there. The last time that occurred was... Uh, late in 2006, the recession didn't happen until 2008. And we had credit stress buildup in the data back then. So what are the two differences now? The home, the the balance sheets of America are much different now. Uh, hopefully everyone can see that, especially in, in housing. And then second of all, the demographics of, of, of the labor force are much different. Boomers are leaving. So the human value of a worker is more now because the certain group of the labor force is leaving and you need to replace them. So these two things are really critical. This is why you know uh, I always constantly talk about them. And again, uh, even on August 5th, when I wrote the recession, I said, what are, what are two things that could help the economy? Number one, the growth rate of inflation falls. That's happened, right? We're not dealing with uh, uh, gas prices that high anymore. Number two, bond yields fall helps housing. It's stabilized for for whatever whatever anybody thinks. Bond yields falling that that time from when we uh, presented our case for mortgage rates to fall on October twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. It stabilized the housing market from where we were last year. So th- that's there. The second aspect is the Fed stops raking high, uh, uh, raising rates and then cutting rates. We're not there yet. So we've only had half of the things, but clearly you can see how important it was for mortgage rates to come down or stop going up higher. And especially for gas prices to fall down uh, and, and energy costs lower. So it's, again, the inf- the growth rate of inflation has been falling from a very high level. Uh, inflation always rises every single year, but the growth rate is cooling down. That 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 had to happen for this to stabilize uh, the economy, and it did. And I wish we had better news. Uh, we At least we know what we're looking for, and we are tracking it weekly to try to figure it out. Weekly and daily, that's what we do. And again... Uh, People that track economic stuff daily and weekly, I, I always thought they have an advantage because you know you 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 don't get shocked out of nowhere. If there's a lot of people who just like say something every other two months and this doesn't work. With you have to be, you have to be religious uh, in the flow of data uh, on a twenty four seven hour basis because things can turn on a dime and you got to go with it. But whether it's positive or negative, you got to go with it. Nobody loves data more than you. I know that's true. Well, Logan, thank you so much. Thanks for being on and we will talk to you again soon. Pleasure. Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Program Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. 
Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association, and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on realtrends.com, and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.